Anyone have questions left over that you wanted to bring up? Yeah. Okay, oh yeah. Thanks. Maybe we could close those back doors after everybody comes in. Go ahead. Okay, so this is related to what you were talking about earlier about the, um, the people who tend to fear abandonment and people who tend to fear engulfment. Mm-hmm. And um, what I'd love to hear you talk more about is, uh, so you were talking about um, assertiveness as a tool, and I'm thinking about situations where the person who is fearing abandonment is, uh, there's a lot of um, sensitivity there. And there can be a tendency that uh, when their partner is expressing feelings or needs, it can be experienced as very um, provocative and can lead to reactivity in in the partner. And um, and then what what I see is then the the one who's expressing their feelings or needs can then tend to get into a caretaking mode or like I can't have needs or I can't express my feelings or like, you know, there just isn't room for that. Um, so what to do when that sort of become the, the, the pattern or the dynamic in the relationship? Uh, does that make sense? Yes. And that sounds like it would be complex enough that you would want to work on it with a third party in therapy. What you're describing is how each of the partners would become highly sensitized to the other so that the ordinary way of being assertive in which you speak up and say something directly would have to be couched in very careful, respectful, and sensitive words so that the other person will not feel rejected by the assertiveness. That may be hard to pull off on your own. That may be where you need some help. In genuine caring, you would even be modulating the controls of how you show the assertiveness. How can I put this in a way that it can be heard rather than the ego style, which is, damn it all, I'm going to say it. (laughs) It's not like that. It's more, how can I put this in a way that the other person feels like she or he can receive it? So I'm glad you brought that up. Does that speak to what yeah, you... Yeah, and I'm, I'm also thinking about, even when it isn't, I mean, I, we could call it assertiveness, but the, the mere expression of feelings, not mere, I mean feelings can be a big thing, but uh, expression of one's feelings or where they're at, even if done in a gentle, uh, caring way... Um, yeah, some people, uh, it's, it's hard for them to, to hear that. To let st- it in. To let, to let it in and not um, totally uh, lose themselves in some mm-hmm. way. 
that's where the third party would help. Yeah. I guess I'm speaking, I'm, I'm a third party. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and I'm thinking in part about um, when I'm working individually with people and I work with one of them or the, the one who is perhaps the, uh, not the one who tends to be more um, abandonment focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you bring a lot of sensitivity to your work. So that will help people. Yeah. Good. And regarding the triggers, I didn't want to forget Freud's statement, the body doesn't lie, and that these triggers that we talked about and what you just brought up will have a bodily resonance. So you want to be aware of that, and you want to look for the kind of therapy, if therapy is what you want, by the person specially trained to do somatic therapy? Yeah. I think I, I first... Uh, I, Richard Rohr, uh, Father Richard Rohr, spoke, yes. spoke a bit about that. You, we're just humans. We're humans. And that the whole, you know... I'm going to be eaten by a dinosaur, a big dinosaur down the block, or sometimes just the judging of that person's big, that person's small. You know, it's sort of, it's a protective thing, too, that we have as, as just mammals and people. And go, and go on to, oh, they have a lot of money I don't, or jealousy, whatever, there's a gun, or whatever. But I think it's a part of being human that's a part of our ego, too. And I just think realizing that, for me, is just very helpful when, to recognize it when it's, when it's harmful or not, and to give myself a break that... You know, it's just part of being human for me and, and a very reptilian brain type thing where it's a protection too and when to get out of that and when to say, okay, you know, we're okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to be eaten by that person. But just to be aware that that's where it came from for me, it's helpful. Good. I love all these comments that you guys are making. and it's very, They're very meaningful. So um, regarding the first handout, which is the pages from You Are Not What You Think that we just read, this would be a good thing to work on on your own. Now we're going to our other handout, Ways to Show Integrity and Loving Kindness. This is from How to Be an Adult in Love. And um, we're going to do the same thing we did before. We're going to, if you can give the... uh, Microphone. Well, where do we leave off? The woman right here with the white? You're next. And so we're going across and then back and over. So we're on ways to show integrity and loving kindness. So what we're doing now is we're bringing this into total practicality. This is what the loving kindness will look like when you're actually showing it in your daily life. And these are commitments that you can make. So we're going to read them, but remember, when you work on these on your own, you're just going to do one at a time, not all at once. All right, so go ahead. I am caring for my body by a healthy lifestyle. I'm caring for my mind and spirit by psychological work on myself when needed and by faithfulness to spiritual practices, too. 
I do my best to keep my word, honor commitments, and follow through on the tasks I agree to do. I am making every effort to abide by standards of rigorous honesty, courtesy, and respect in all my dealings, no matter how others act towards me. I forego taking advantage of anyone because of his or her ignorance, misfortune, or financial straits. My question is not, what can I get away with, but what is the right thing to do? If I fall down in this, I can admit it, make amends, and resolve to act differently next time. Now I apologize more easily and willingly when necessary. I keep examining my conscience with true candor. I take searching inventories, not only about how I may have harmed others, but also about how I may not have activated my potentials or shared my gifts, how I may still be holding on to prejudices or the need to retaliate, how I may still not be as loving, inclusive, and open as I can be. I welcome well-intentioned feedback that shows me where I am less caring, less tolerant, less open about my real feelings than I can be. When I am shown up as a pretender or confronted about being mean or inauthentic, I am not defensive, but take it as information about what work I have to what I have to work on. I appreciate positive feedback also. I'm letting go of the need to keep up appearances or to project a false or overly impressive self-image. Now I want to appear as I am, without pretense and no matter how unflattering. I do not want to use any charms of body, word, or mind to trick or deceive others. I am not trying to ingratiate myself with anyone in order to get on his or her good side. Being loved for who I am has become more important and more interesting than upholding or advancing the ever shaky status of my ego. As I say yes to the reality of who I am, with pride in my gifts and unabashed awareness of my limits, I notice that I can love myself and that I become more lovable too. I now measure, I now measure my success by how much steadfast love I have, not by how much I have in the bank, how much I achieve in business, how much status I have attained, or how much power I have over others. The central and most exhilarating focus of my life is to show my love in the style that is uniquely mine in every way I can, here and now, always and everywhere, no one excluded. I am learning to trust others when the record shows they can be trusted, while I, nonetheless, commit myself to being trustworthy regardless of what others may do. I am always open to rebuilding trust when it has been broken, if the other person is willing. 
I remain open to reconciling with others after conflict. At the same time, I am learning to release, with love and without blame, those who show themselves to be unwilling to relate to me respectfully. I accept the given of sudden, unexplained silence, absence, or rejection by others and will not use that style myself. I am learning to be assertive by asking for what I need without fear or inhibition. I ask without demand, expectation, manipulation, or a sense of entitlement. I show respect for the timing and choices of others by being able to take no for an answer. If people occasionally hurt me, I can say ouch and ask to open a dialogue. I may ask for amends, but I can drop the topic if they are not forthcoming. No matter what, I do not choose to get even, hold grudges, keep a record of wrongs, or hate anyone. What goes around comes around has become, may we go, may what goes around come around in a way that helps him or her learn and grow. I am thereby hoping for the transformation of others rather than retribution against them. I do not let others abuse me and internally. I want to interpret their harshness as coming from their own pain and as a sadly confused way of letting me know they need connection but don't know how to ask for it in healthy ways. I recognize this with concern, not with censure or scorn. I do not gloat over the sufferings or defeats of those who have hurt me. It serves them right, has changed to. May this serve to help them evolve. I do not knowingly hurt or intend to offend others. I act kindly towards others, not to impress them, win their approval, or obligate them, but because I really am kind or working on it. If others fail to thank me or to return my kindness, that does not have to stop me from behaving lovingly nonetheless. I am practicing ways to express my anger against unfairness directly and nonviolently rather than in an abusive, bullying, threatening, blaming, out of control, or passive ways. I have a sense of humor, but not at the expense of others. I want to use humor to poke fun at human foibles, especially my own. I do not engage in ridicule, mocking, put-downs, digs, barbs, snide or bigoted remarks, sarcasm, or comebacks. When others use hurtful humor toward me, I want to feel the pain in both of us and look for ways to bring more mutual respect into our communication. I do not hold anyone in contempt. I do not laugh at people for their mistakes and misfortunes, but look for ways to be understanding and supportive. I do not try to embarrass someone by shaming or making him or her look bad in front of other people. I am less concerned with being right or insisting on my own point of view in a conversation or group project. I am now more apt to listen to and appreciate the contribution of others. 
while also sharing my own view in a collaborative dialogue. I notice how in some groups there are people who are humiliated or excluded. Rather than be comforted that I am still safely an insider, especially by gossiping about them, I want to sense the pain in being an outsider. Then I can reach out and include everyone in my circle of love, compassion, and respect. I look at other people and their choices with intelligent discernment, but without censure. I still notice the shortcomings of others and myself, but now I am beginning to see them as facts to deal with rather than flaws to be criticized or to be ashamed of. Accepting others as they are has become more important than whether they are what I want them to be. I avoid criticizing, interfering, or giving advice that is not specifically asked for. I take care of myself by staying away from those who use this intrusive approach toward me while still holding them in my spiritual circle of loving kindness. I never give up on believing that everyone has an innate goodness and that being loved by me can contribute to bringing it out. I'm willing to participate in the harmless conventions and social rituals that make others happy. For example, family dinners or acknowledgement of birthdays. If a social or family situation becomes toxic, I excuse myself politely. I'm less and less competitive in relationships at home and work and find happiness in cooperation and community. I shun situations in which my winning means that others lose in a humiliating way. In intimate bonds, I honor equality, keep agreements, work on problems, and act in respectful and trustworthy ways. My goal is not to use a relationship to gratify my ego, but dispossess myself of ego to gratify the relationship. Also, I respect the boundaries of other relationships. I want my sexual style to adhere to the same standards of integrity and loving kindness that apply in all areas of my life. More and more, my sexuality expresses love, passion, and joyful playfulness. I also remain committed to a responsible adult style of relating and enjoying. Confronted with the suffering in the world, I do not turn my eyes away, nor do I get stuck in blaming God or humanity, but simply ask, what then shall I do? What is the opportunity in this for my practice of loving kindness? I keep finding ways to respond, even if they have to be minimal. It is better to to light one candle than to curse the darkness. I feel a caring concern for the world around me. I look for ways to work for justice and commit myself to nonviolence. I support restorative rather than retributive justice. I feel myself called to action by violations of human rights, nuclear armaments, economic oppression, racial injustice, and ecological exploitation. I keep educating myself on these issues. With planetary consciousness, I tread with care on the earth with what Santa 
Bonaventure called a courtesy toward natural things. I appreciate that whatever love or wisdom I may have or show comes not from me, but through me. I give thanks for these encouraging graces and say yes to the steering call to live up to them. I am not hard on myself when I fail to live up to these ideals. I just keep practicing earnestly. The sincerity of my intention and my ongoing efforts feel like the equivalent of success. I am letting go of perfectionism and of guilt about not being perfect. I, I do not think I am above other people because I honor this list. I do not demand that others follow it. I am sharing this list with those who are open to it. I keep placing the intention or praying that someday these commitments can become the style not only of individuals, but of groups in the world community, corporate, political, religious. Go ahead, next person. Just read that whole thing. <clears throat> May I show all the love I have in any way I can, today and every day, to everything and everyone, including me. Since love is what I'm here to give and be, now nothing matters to me more than love or gives me greater joy. Thank you. So it's as simple as that. <laughs> so these would be practical ways to show the love we've been talking about. And what I do recommend is if you're in a relationship to take an extra copy of this, or you're free to make as many copies as you want, um, and kind of go through it together and say, are these the commitments that we can make to each other? Um, this is also on the website. You can download it for free in case you want to send the link to someone. So questions about any of the specific ones that maybe you noticed that you had comments about or brought up some type of question? Yeah. And you can give the number of the... In fact, this would be a good one to use around the beginning of a relationship. I mean, is, is this how you're going to be? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. There was, oh, excuse me. There was one on the first handout that caught my attention, but there was one uh, that kind of caught me in the same way on, on the one we just read. It's number 14. And the part where it asks, uh, what goes around comes around has become, may what goes around come around in a way that helps him or her learn and grow. Yeah, we would no longer be using that phrase, what goes around comes around. One, it's a wish 
that since I can't retaliate, maybe the universe will. (laughs) We don't want to go that way. We want to go toward how can this lead to transformation? It's not how can they get theirs for what they did. Mm -hmm. It's how can they grow from this experience? Yes. And I think what comes up in me is I imagine that there's a trigger there in my wishing for others. I often worry in my practice that there's a little bit of pity in wishing for others who maybe aren't yet well enough in some way. I think this does come from myself. I think I've often thought that I've been pitied, and so I'm very careful when I extend that it doesn't have that tinge to it. And I haven't looked into it a ton, but that's what came up, is wanting my well-wishing to be authentic and not poor you in some way or that. Could you speak to pity for a yeah, little it bit, wouldn't how be, to distinguish? That's a good point. It wouldn't be patronizing or elitist. It would be a genuine caring. And again, it comes back to our concentric circles. So whatever I want for myself, I now want for those I love, those toward whom I'm neutral, and so forth. I don't want to be uh, one who's at the mercy of what goes around, comes around, and I don't want others to be there either. So this is how your loving-kindness practice applies to everything about yourself. It moves now into all those concentric circles. But you're right. Um, it's, it's, it isn't a matter of pity, of, oh, they, um, they're just so low on the totem pole that they don't really get it. It's more like... Uh, well, everybody's at a different place in life, and I just hope this person has the opportunities that I've had to uh, find Buddha's wonderful way. And that's what I'm hoping for. That would be part of our loving-kindness practice. May I live in accord with Buddha's way. May those I love find Buddha's way. May all beings find Buddha's way. What way is that? It's the way of loving kindness. How is it shown? By the four immeasurably extended qualities of our Buddha nature. The first is the loving kindness that was our topic today. The second is compassion for those who suffer. The third is joy at the success and happiness of others. And the fourth is equanimity, in which we um, are able to handle what happens with evenness and with composure. Other ones that you noticed? You can see that you would want to read these on your own and kind of work with them. And circle the ones that you think are uh, difficult for you. 
see if you can, you know, make some type of commitment in this direction. Other comments? Yeah. And give us the number. Yep. Um, thanks for all the tools. The number 12. Okay. And mm. just about, I can tell, basically, um, I accept the given of sudden unexplained silence, absence, or rejection by others, and I will not use that style myself. The only paradox for me is to be able to remove myself from a toxic situation without explaining myself. Um, and that's where I find some challenge in removing myself. Am I withdrawing and sort of running away? Or am I able to show openness and willingness to work with somebody? Yeah, you'd be showing the openness to work with someone. But if it's unexplained silence and rejection, they're saying they're not available for working. So you just want to let go with love. Now, based on what someone said today, I would have to change this one. Instead of saying, I accept the given of sudden unexplained silence and so forth, I would have to say, I grieve unexplained silence and then say yes to it as a given. So thanks to what someone brought up today, we want to add that element. Other ones or other questions? Uh, Right here at the end of the row. Um, Actually, this is just a question. I'm just fascinated how you came up with 37. You know, 37. Well, you know, there are 37 things you're suggesting we do, right? Pardon? And I'm just interested how you came up with that. I mean, did you just keep going till you ran out of ideas, or? I mean, everyone's laughing, but I'm quite serious. You mean how I came up with this many? This list, yeah. Oh, okay. Good. These are all the things that I personally have to work on. Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and the list is growing. <clears throat> I've been working on this since 1998. Wow, thank you. There's nothing on here that I don't need to work on. And am working on. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, could you give us a frame of how to apply the loving and kindness to what's happening in the world today? We have people in political and corporate positions who, you know, do irresponsible things that affect everyone. So how could we um, apply a frame of judgment-free awareness um, that's not critical yet? Um, request change and request responsible behavior and request um, uh, some modicum of equity? I guess it would be in the way we vote. And secondly, 
um, that you do your loving kindness to the people that bring these concerns up. And I'll give a simple example. Because when George W. was elected, then I would see him on the TV. And I found myself responding internally with, you know, negative energy. I thought to myself, David, you're not bringing your loving kindness to this experience. You've got to make a new commitment that uh, changes your relationship to this president. So I decided to do it in a very simple way. I said, every time I see him or hear his voice, my, the very first thing I will do is look him in the eye or listen carefully, and I will say, may you find Buddha's way. May you be a pioneer of peace. May you become a Quaker. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Those kind of comments. And uh, I just get so much into the habit that years later, I noticed when I saw him on um, Jay Leno, because he was advertising his new book, the minute he came out on the stage, I said, may you become a pioneer of peace. <laughs> and I realized, oh, wait a minute, he no longer has power. But I can still say, may you find Buddha's way. So, does this make any difference to him? I have no way of knowing that. But it did change how I hold my practice in a world of people like him. So you may want to ask yourself, okay, how can I bring this practice to what I see on the TV or to what's happening politically? It makes you feel like you're making some kind of a contribution to change. It's a prayerful kind of response, actually, if you are in that tradition. I think that relates to, I feel like it relates to the question I asked earlier. It feels very passive. And is that, is, am I correct to feel that way? So it feels... Not if you join it to the voting and okay. to, you know, take a stand politically. So you're, you're combining these. What about activism and things like that? Is that, judge, is that being judge, judgmental, though, and not accepting the, the thing that, um, that I always come up against is, like, when I try to affect change, I'm not accepting people and things as they are. And that's where I get stuck. It would be I'm accepting the reality, and it calls to me, to take some active 
steps in response. So with the acceptance is hearing some type of call to our practice. What is our practice? Metta, not retaliation. So we're doing our practice in the example I gave, and then we're doing whatever we can do activism-wise. And we're in a society that permits that so far. <laughs> so let's have one final comment right after, right, woman right behind her. And then we need to wind up. I guess I can't resist asking this. Are you able to bring that same thing to Donald Trump? Uh, that's been a lot more challenging. <laughs> But, yeah, I'm trying. Hopefully I won't have to do it very long. (laughs) Anyway, I really wanted to thank everybody for the attention that you brought to this topic. And uh, I just love coming here and sharing this way. And it's just wonderful to be with such an intelligent audience. And I just loved all your questions and comments. And uh, I uh, am glad that I am able to share what I, what I know and that what I know seems to have some meaning. So, uh, so let's all keep each other in our loving kindness practice as we go from here. And I would like to end with a, one last poem. Uh, since our overall topic has been love, we shall go to that topic. This is a poem by an Irish poet. It's a sonnet by Thomas More, and it's um, also been turned into a song. And it has to do with How love confronts impermanence, one of the central teachings of the Dharma, and how love overcomes the the impermanence by maintaining itself even when there are so many changes in the beloved. Believe me if all those endearing young charms which I gaze on so fondly today were to change by tomorrow and fleet in my arms like fairy gifts fading away, thou wouldst still be adored as this moment thou art. Let thy loveliness fade as it will. And around the dear ruin, each wish of my heart would entwine itself verdantly still. It is not while beauty and wealth are thine own, and thy cheek unprofaned by a tear, that the beauty and faith of a heart may be known, to which time will but make thee more dear for the heart that has truly loved never forgets but as truly loves on to the close 
as the sunflower turns to her God when he sets the same look that she turned when he rose. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.